Our opinions aren't too tough, rough, or gruff. We are proof that you don't have to be an expert to have an opinion. So just... Shut up and sit down. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. Yes, sir. I'm excited. Football is in the air, Muff. We got it's, it's in the air. It's it's everywhere. It's a little bit more than in the air now. We got Sam and Nate here. We're gonna do the AFC breakdown. We're gonna do some beanbag bopping. Get pumped. Hi, Sam. Hi, Nate. How are you? We're good. How about you guys? Glad you're back. That's the most energy I've heard out of Nate in a long time. I'm I know excited. when you said hey, Bob, Sam started breaking out to our dance here. I think I'll have to beanbag out in the car though. So oh, I, no. I'm glad you mentioned that, Nate. You guys have brought it to our attention. Before you go out and referee, you guys dance to this song? I dance. So it's kind of become a little tradition, I guess. On Thursday night, I'll pack my bag and go through head to toe. Okay, do I got my hat? Do I got my whistle? And then I'm like going through and then Sam pulls up beanbag bop on her phone and starts dancing to it. With the orange beanbag. My That's problem. awesome. That's awesome. We have a video. I don't know if we're allowed to share it with the world, but. Oh, I don't care. Oh, All right, there we so go. This that week, will be happening this week. <laughs> this week, look forward to Sam's beanbag bop dance. Uh, also, coming up in this episode, we break down college football week one, and it was a doozy. Uh, upsets and lots of commentating. Targeting. Not targeting. Uh, sure. We're going to get into that, too. Uh, the Fast Five hits all gears, including tennis and golf. Muff, lots of things to say about golf, right? With things to say about golf. Lots of things are going on in golf. Golf is ending. Golf has ended at this point. PGA Tour season is over. Doesn't stop you, though. You're going to golf till when do you stop golfing? Uh, till the weather does not allow me to golf anymore. <laughs> so are you a guy who golfs in the snow? No. no. Like if it's just the weather that stops me. But like, is it if it's just like little flurries, will you still golf? Uh, I don't think I could, potentially could if the ground is not frozen. That's really ground frozen is the the thing that stops you. Okay. All right. Um, and sad news, T's and P's to two NFL legends. Um, New England wide receiver, three-time Super Bowl champion David Patton died in a motorcycle accident on Thursday. And pro bowler, broadcaster, Steelers legend, Muff, please do the name, you Yinzer. Hunch Ilkin. The man, the myth, the legend died Saturday of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, fun story. I have met Tunchilk and have a picture with him from my high school days. He came. One of the things that Tunch did post-career was come to local high schools and do like like the NFL play 60 type campaign. He's like, hey, you should be active. This is why it's helpful for you. And like a bozo, there was me and a few of the guys I played football with. We were asked to go on stage with him and perform various exercises while he judged us. So oh, uh, put that picture I, up. I think at the time I, I was the push-up person I pumped out like 50 or 50, 60 push-ups for him. And he's like, okay, good job. And then he just laughed at us and we went about our day, but there's a picture. I'll see if I can find it and post it for the world. There we go. I'd really like to see a video of you. Um, Doing the push-ups? And no video. No video. This Sam. is early 2000, Sam. Remember, we're not, we didn't grow up in the social media. Come on days. now. You just called us old before the show. Think about yeah. this. <laughs> I mean, 
video cameras. Those existed. Up on the shoulder kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I just, my like childhood ones switched to digital. It was very nice. <laughs> Rubbing so, it in, Sam. I know, I know what they are, you know. So lastly, before we start the show, we're going to, we'll probably dive into COVID and sports. And it seems like every uh, sport is navigating COVID and we can't wake up from the bad dream. So we got that going on. Muff, you got anything else before we start the show? No, no, we uh getting into the football. Nate's going to referee the AFC North breakdown. Get excited for that. If you thought that Jim and I argued last week about college, well, just get ready. There's more of it coming. So this is the AFC North breakdown. And per usual, we will uh, do it by record breakdown, not end of year performance, because, you know, that would only seem fair, but we got to be consistent. I feel like this is the only time that you care about this. (laughs) Exactly. Right now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I guess. serves your agenda. No, it serves your agenda. Calm down. Read the notes to golf all day. It serves your agenda does not to make a change it would if we changed but i'm not so it's good it's good for you the steelers finished last year 12 and 4 the ravens 11 and 5 the browns 11 and 5 and the poor bengals 4 11 and 1 but moff there's two teams at the end of the year there's two team names there that i don't think i'm aware of and nate may may agree with me what I, i the browns and the bengals i don't know who those teams are <laughs> the brownies and the bungles maybe but uh hey, hey muff how did the season end last year in the playoffs i need to know uh neither none of these teams from this division won the super bowl that's all i know got it got it that's how we're gonna do this okay well, let's get to the team breakdown uh we'll start with uh last year's loser to the browns the steelers uh they have big ben and mike tomlin with a crew of wide receivers and the D train. I love how you're the one that's breaking down the Steelers. Can I yeah, break down I'm the gonna. Browns? Can yes, I break down yes, the you Browns? Can. Okay. Yes, you can. The work, go. go. Move okay. along, sir. Move okay. along, sir. They got Juju. They got Chase Claypool. They got Deontay Johnson. They got James Washington at wide receiver. I mean, admittedly, they, they are stacked at wide receiver. Uh, running back, Najee Harris, is a stud. So uh, far. So far, yes, I agree. I mean, he was a stud in college. It's his rookie year. They got Snell Jr. They got Jalen Samuels. Um, I think the big question for the Steelers is the O line. Uh, Off Jim, they cut Jalen Samuels. When did that happen? When they had to cut down to fifty-three. I was wondering. All right. Well, he's gone. I was going to let go for a little bit longer, Nate. He's gone. Uh, The defensive line is intact, um, but they're old they're old they're old okay tj watt the best watt the best i'm admitting it this year he's the best watt okay good is one of their key players they lost bud dupree to the titans yep they did sign melvin ingram the third yep um devin bush is back after yep injury last year seems like uh cutting the roster and budget cuts and salary cap has depleted the secondary Maybe for the better is all I'm going to say. But uh, the Steelers, they're okay. If if Big Ben can be the Big Ben one last time. Yeah, so new offensive coordinator is the big deal here on the offensive side of the ball. 
that was get out of here, Muff. This offensive side of the ball is fine. It's the defense that's the issue, and the O line needs to protect uh, Big Ben's old wrinkly butt. Okay, Jim. Offensive off- coordinator got nothing to do with it. The offense is what sputtered at the end of the year last year, and that's what forced and was part of the reason that the Steelers lost in the playoffs. They got tons of weapons. They're fine. Let's talk about that depleted defense. I don't think the defense is depleted, Jim. Where's Minka Fitzpatrick in your breakdown? A secondary that's hit by the budget that has Joe Hayden and Minka Fitzpatrick back there. That's it's, a not good spot in their defense. Is that what we're going to go with? The we'll defensive see. line is studs. The offensive line could be a problem. Zach Banner, we don't know when he's coming back. We got some new new things in the middle there. I get it. I get it. DeCastro is not there. I understand. I don't believe the Steelers defense will be the Steelers defense of old. I'm calling it. There's my hot take. What of old by what what standard? I want to understand. This I is understand. Like, this you like have lost to the Browns this, last year. You're right. Steel curtain time. Uh, you're right. I shouldn't say of old because last year you lost to the Browns. So that would be of new though, wouldn't it? Okay. Okay. Moving on now. Hold on. Where's Nate? Oh, go this? ahead. Where's Nate? Nate's Nate's a, a he's supposed to be refereeing. He's supposed to be an objective. He's taking a horrible referee. Nate. Oh, you you left out the most important stealer. No, we didn't leave out Mason Rudolph. The, the third-string quarterback is not. Third-string? He's second-string on the depth chart, just saying. I did not draft him for my fantasy team. I'm we so, noticed. I'm so glad. I'm glad that Nate they, probably talked you out of that. <laughs> really bad if I did. Um, it was very sad to me, but, you know. Nate, what do you think about the Steelers, buddy? So on Muff's side, yeah, that offensive line is going to be a big question because they did lose three starters from last year. They lost the center in Pouncey, who retired, the Casher, who they let go, a guard who was injured, yep. and Villanueva, which half of Pittsburgh liked, half of Pittsburgh hated. He moved on to Baltimore. And then another guy that I thought they were going to keep around was B.J. Finney at guard, and they let him go. So the Steelers could potentially be looking at four, if not five, new offensive line starters from last year. So that's a big thing. And then, like you said on defense, and I've been seeing too, TJ Watt and Joe Hayden have been looking for extensions and neither have gotten one yet. So, welcome to Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> sure what's on there. I mean, I saw where Joe Hayden kind of put something on there, like, oh, yeah, one more year or whatever. And then TJ's kind of been holding in where he's been showing up to camp and everything, but I don't think he played a single snap in preseason. So, who knows? You know how guys are with their money in the NFL. They don't make anything in college ranks until this year, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need every single million dollar you can give me. Good so. take. Good take. So, Nate, is the defense going to be good? Or the one that usually loses to the Browns? Ideal? Usually. Okay, so you you are such, <laughs> you're you're such a homer right now. Up. You you up. Loses, usually <laughs> loses to the Browns up until last year. Pittsburgh was like – 18 of the past 20 they won against the Browns. Usually up until last year when they lost to the Browns. You said they lost I, to the Browns last year in the playoffs. Jim, I can't. Did that happen, Muff? You I can't, can't dispute that. That's all I needed on this air. Good. Can we move on to the Ravens now? No, no, because you said they usually lose to the Browns. And I think that's an it's they lost wrong, twice. It's a wrong statement. Well, Jim, I'll, there is this though. They basically threw that week 17 game last year. Too. Oh my god. <laughs> <grief>. <laughs> Good grief. Look at this. Oh, throw the All flags, right. Nate. Throw the flags. Let's go. NFC equal was that where – was it Philadelphia who let off the gas against the yeah. Giants? 
Washington got in. Yeah. <laughs> the QB I mean, the debacle. It wasn't as noticeable. <sighs> All right. The Ravens. It's going to be the Lamar Jackson show, especially now that J.K. Dobbins is out for the season. Yes, they got Gus Edwards at running back, but but the whole running game is going to be based on Lamar Jackson. Let's face it. The whole offense was based off of Lamar Jackson before J.K. Dobbins went out. But there's they have nothing. Gus Edwards is not terrible. I'm not going to say he's as good as J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards well, isn't bad. <laughs> wide receiver Marquise Brown and tight end Mark Andrews are Jackson's favorite people. And Mark Andrews or Marquise Brown said, uh, listen, we got to have some balance, man. So they're dying to get the ball. And they signed Sammy Aging Watkins, um, hoping that that will help. But let's get that trending, somebody. <laughs> end of the day, Jackson's got to decide to get them the ball. They're loaded up on offensive line in the offseason. Lots of free agency signings and drafting. Hoping to protect Lamar Jackson so he can pass the ball. Or maybe just protect their investment when he decides to run. But it's the Lamar Jackson show. As long as he doesn't have to go number two. <laughs> Defensively <laughs> is basically what they rely on when Jackson can't get it done. Uh, and their defensive line is aging. Cornerback Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters are there, but they let Matt Judon and Yannick Nagaku go. Those were their top four uh, cornerbacks, and they let two of them go. I think you're missing a key weapon in this attack, Jim. Go ahead. Kicker Justin Tucker. <laughs> the best kicker in the game. I Yes. Yes, you're right. You're right. So basically, if you wanted to break down the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, drop the mic. Nate, any thoughts? Sam, any thoughts? Do you know anybody from Baltimore, Sam? Um, I've been to Baltimore. All right, good, good enough. <laughs> so, Nate, get back on track. <laughs> They've got to find a reliable number two running back. I don't know the Ravens' depth, but I do think they brought in or talked about bringing in Todd Gurley then. Nothing ever happened from that. But, I mean, Gus Edwards was a good, reliable number two, but now you're going to rely on him to carry the load. So who's going to be your number two? Because, again, they're a run-heavy team. If they can learn to pass the ball, great. I mean, they got a pretty good tight end, I think, probably top five in the league in Mark Andrews, too. But, yeah, they've got to get balance on the offense and find another running back. Yep, I agree. <laughs> You want to keep an order, Muff? You want to finish the debate? Oh, no, we have to stay on the order. At 11 and 5 last year, third place in the division, playoff team, non Super Bowl winner, the Cleveland Browns from the city of Cleveland, aka the mistake on the lake, um, are headed by uh, last year's AP coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski, mm -hmm. um, who's done a great job in Cleveland uh, at under center. Baker Mayfield, a.k.a. the man who planted the Ohio flag on the 50-yard line in Ohio. Um, I don't know how you allow him to stay in that city or that state based on these types of things. but Because he is. beats the Steelers. He's a Steeler beater. It's, he's redeemed himself. Okay. 
Steeler beater. That's not a term that I've heard ever thrown around. Uh, you've got Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb at running back. So you have good, good running back options. That two-headed monster is key to this attack in the end. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry hanging out at wide receiver. You've got a lot of pieces coming back on this offense, which is a good thing, including the offensive line, um, as well as great blocking tight ends uh, who can go out and catch passes when you need to. Um, <clears throat> as far as the defensive side of the ball, um, you only got two starters returning on a great overall here, um, who are Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Uh, drafted Greg Newsom the third on the defensive side of the ball and signed Troy Hill, Jadavian Clowney, and Takaris McKinley as the defensive line and edge rushers um, and special teams up in the air right now as the kicker was released in camp. Yeah. Yeah. What is uh, it about Ohio and kicking? I don't, I don't know. You, know, you, you grow a lot of things good in Ohio. Kickers, not, not, one of them. not so good. Nope. I admittedly, <laughs> no, no. So uh, on to the Bengals. Wait, wait, we're not going to talk about anything. Oh else? yeah, I'm Nate, sorry. Nate, I, I was Nate. trying to get out of this. Let, with let you talk about it, Jim. I mean, blood I, in I the think, game. I think I kept a pretty fair. You did a good job of the brownies. Nate, I'll let you go, buddy. Based on all those guys coming back, and you get guys like Dave Young Clowney on that defense. If I'm a Cleveland fan, this has got to be the year they push to win the division. Mm-hmm. I, you beat your rival in the first round of the playoffs last year. You gave the Chiefs a run for their money against Chad Henney and was it a, a big fourth down conversion to Tyreek Hill sealed the game there. I mean, they were close. I mean, this has got to be the year Cleveland makes a run. I mean, I'm not saying a run as in AFC championship game or Super Bowl, but you've got to at least push to win the division this year. You got too much talent on that roster. You showed last year you're capable of doing it and you just added to it. You got to take the next step. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, everything you just said is correct. I'm interested to see the Odell Beckham-Baker situation. Is that a fluke, or is it really when those two are on the field together, it just falls apart? So, we'll see. Muff, you done? You good? I broke him down. I, I said, All right. I've said my piece. My man. My man. said my piece. Just so the now, Steelers, the Steelers are going to beat them. Got it. There was a lot less yelling about the Browns than there was about the Steelers. I'm a little disappointed. I know. So was I. I could yell about the Browns, but the proof is in the pudding over the past 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years in the Steelers' dominance of Cleveland. So it's really like the opposite. It's like Ohio State, Michigan. So except for the Steelers are Ohio State and Yeah, he's, and he's got me on that one. So, I mean, there's not a whole bunch I have to say. Yeah. So, I'm not going right. to say much. <laughs> he right. So, we'll go to the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow. And can he return to what he once was? Can he pull the trigger? Is he gun Is he gun shy? We'll see. They added him Jamar Chase at wide receiver to help replace uh, A.J. Green. Um, he has Ty Higgins and Tyler Boyd. They okay, improve. T. T. Higgins. Got it. What did I say? Ty. That's my fault. Improved the O-line, uh, but not by much. <clears throat> they just threw some free agents at it. Joe Mixon will be uh, a running back behind that. Uh, Joe Mixon will be behind that offensive line. So God help the Joes. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, right. No lie there. Joe, Joe Mixon hasn't been able to get through a season either. So apparently, if your name's Joe in Cincinnati, you're you're destined to not you're getting hurt. A season. <laughs> um, as far as the defensive goes, they picked up Trey Hendrickson from New Orleans, but lost Carl Lawson. Um, the cornerbacks they made an upgrade. Uh, got some injury returns, some free agency help. Linebacker last year was okay, but they need to improve. Yeah, they're Cincinnati. Do I think they're going to contend? No. The hope is that they can keep Joe Burrow upright. Nate? That's a big hope. Yeah. I mean, got some young guys in some key positions, but again, if you can't keep him upright and you can't keep Joe Mixon healthy, you got no shot. Yeah. Muff? But Cincinnati, the Bungles? Yeah, nobody yeah. cares. Myron Cope, the Bungles. Ain't nobody care about the Bungles. Another mistake on a river in this case. Right along a river. All right. So uh, that Good beer, us... though. Good craft beer, I will say. That's Good the start of Skyline Chili, too. Well, that's a whole other discussion of how people feel about Skyline Chili. It's like for Manny's, but anyway, uh, let's do the uh, how we feel this division will end up. You you bring it in, Muff. Who's going to round this division at the bottom? Last place, as much as people are going to want them to do well, I think they're still one year away from really competing in this division. That is the Bungles from Cincinnati, and I think they're going to end up at 5-12. and 12. But I do think towards the tail end of the season, they're going to show some promise and to get people in Cincinnati getting excited. All right. Uh, I have the Bengals at 6 and 11. I, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I'm hoping they get six wins. In third place, Muff. In third place, I have the Brownies from Cleveland at 9 and 8. You are outside of your mind. Hey, you can tell me that later this year. We're about to find out. I have the Ravens at 10 and 7. I where's think Nate, where's Nate feel? Are we going to ask Nate? Or is he just refereeing or does he get to talk? Let's let, let's just do ours then. We'll give him a full reign. We'll give him a Fair full enough. mic. I can get on board with that. I have 10 and 7 the Ravens. Muff for second place. Second place I have the Ravens as well. No, no, seven. they were my third place. I have second place, the Ravens, at 10-7. and seven. Okay. In second place, I have the Stillers at 12-5. and five. Okay. So at first place, you have the Steelers. At 11-6. and six. Very competitive division. A lot of beating up on each other. I got Cleveland at 13-14. and 14. 13-4. Nate, Nate, the floor is yours, buddy. I think it's a consensus. The bungles are going to bungle. Uh, Third place, I think the Ravens. I mean, I think they if they haven't found a replacement running back yet, I think that's going to be a big thing there. And until they prove they have a passing game, I think teams are just going to force them to pass, and they're not ready for it. And then I think this year's the year the Browns finally win the division. But like Muff said, it's going to be very competitive division. I think the Browns maybe win it by a game or maybe two. I just think the Browns got more experience, especially the receiver room with Landry and Beckham. And then the Steelers just got those young guys just want to be on TikTok. 
a, a young guy who was me on TikTok. No. <laughs> Playful and Juju. Uh, you're not wrong. Playful, I guess, getting into the game, too. Boom. He's from Canada. I don't know what you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Muff coming at the Canadians today. And Ebron just kind of joins in. He's like, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, Ebron's on his way out after this year anyway. Fryer Muse going to supplant him as the number one tight end option. <clears throat> so there's our breakdown. That's the NFL for us, right? We're done with these this breakdowns. is the last division in the NFL. Be on the lookout in the coming week for uh, a graphic to show the full breakdown of how we've uh, looked. How at horrible it. we are at this. Yeah. Uh, here's a question, though. Last year we did this, and we may as well do it this year. And this is going to be right off the cuff, so we'll see how this goes. Who do we think ends up in the Super Bowl? Last year, Jim and I were – we had the Chiefs. I think we both had the Chiefs. Yeah. Our secondary – our NFC option was they both fell on their face. And I forget who they were, but I don't think either made it to the playoffs. <clears throat> I don't know. From the I AFC. Let's start from the AFC. Um, AFC – I'm going to go – I just I can't get past the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the, the, the odds-on favorite here. I'm going to say the Chiefs from the AFC. I, it's tough. It's tough not to yeah, say the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Cleveland. That's fair. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go Rogue. Nate, who you got? Like Muff said, it's hard not to put the Chiefs there, but the team that I would like to see, and I think it's got the offensive talent, I don't know about the defensive talent long term. It's Buffalo. I mean, Josh. Uh, Allen. Can I take mine back? I don't care. I'm changing mine to Buffalo. Okay. Just I mean, Josh Allen, white hot at the end of last year. Yeah. And then they just, like everybody else, they ran into Kansas City. Yeah. But Kansas City can't be there every year. We know that. It's not statistically, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But I'm going to take the odds on favorite anyway. From the NFC, we've. Obviously, we were all dead wrong on this last year. Nate may not have been if we asked. I don't think we asked Nate last year. No. But uh, NFC this year. Oh. I'm going to – I have to do it. I'm going to say the Packers. I just want Aaron Rodgers to have a good season. Me too. I'm with you. Give me the Packers. I agree. Do we have to, do we have to ask Nate? Yeah. No, I mean, I obviously am pulling for the Bucks to get there. I think they can do it again. I mean, they brought everybody back. They – Got a couple young rookies who are going to make some plays for him. But at the end of the day, like you guys, I want to see Aaron Rodgers do well, especially after all the noise of the offseason. Like I want him to be able to, at the end of the year, to look Gunta Kuntz and the ownership right in the face and say, see, all you had to do is give me a little bit of help. And then he leaked. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Thanks for bringing in Randall Cobb. See what happens when you do things that I ask you to do? Deuces and drops the mic. It says... I'm out. I now own a portion of the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> later. I'm going to hang out with Giannis Antetokounmpo all day. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so, that's the breakdown, right? That is. That is the end of the NFL breakdown. Breakdown, breakdown. Everybody get your beanbag ready to rock. Follow me and have fun to the beanbag bomb. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the real reason people listen to the show, it's the Beanbag Bop. So we're going to check in with Nate. Uh, when the NFL season gets started, we'll probably bring him in for more calls. But we had college football week one. Nate also did some refereeing he's going to talk to us about. 
Um, we'll hit it off first. Nate, what happened in the high school world for you to talk to us about? So two things I could think about in the high school world was my game Friday night. It was the third play of the game for one of the teams already in with their backup quarterback. The starter was out with a stress fracture in his foot. And this guy just got a big stinger. And, of course, coaches come out in the field. Oh, you guys got to call that. That's helmet to helmet where I was the closest one to it. And his head went right into the chest of the guy. And, I mean, at first it was a little bit scary. I'm like, man, that's a big hit. Do I flag that? But I'm like, no, that's what I saw. Kid saying that he couldn't feel his whole right side. But then here comes mom out in the field. And I think he saw mom and said, okay, now I got to get up. Okay. Okay. And then the next day in a JV game, team, again, someone comes back with a crackback block, which was a legal crackback block in that case. And he's up in arms saying, you guys got that kid hurt. It's like, last I checked, if I flag it or if I don't flag it, he's still hurt. <laughs> I, I was going to say, that's what I, it's, that's a fair I agree point. with that. Like, <laughs> Your flag I throw is the not flag is, Yeah, it's not, ma- it's not like magical healing powder like in <laughs> soccer when they spray that stuff on their legs and they get up all fine. Like, yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> but yeah, it, every year it's something from a coach that just makes you go, wow. Wow. I mean, so what makes, if, what made that a legal crackback block as opposed to an so illegal? The rule book now states for they call it a blindside block. Now it's okay. So they don't want guys coming. They say back to your own end line. So if you're driving to the right, they don't want a receiver or a lineman coming back left towards the original line of scrimmage. Okay. Change of direction play, and they don't want you lighting anybody up anymore. Okay. But do they want you to initiate contact with open hands not launch into the guy not put your shoulder or leave your feet to hit him if you're going to hit him you got to hit him with your hands first okay so they're asking it to look more like a pass set as opposed to a like you said a launching motion yeah they don't want you going in there like ducking your head and putting your shoulder right. in the guy. they want you coming in like you said like a pass set or whatever like you said you just want to push him with your hands yeah body can follow yeah so lead, lead with lead with your chest as opposed to your helmet is what they're looking at yeah lead with your chest in your hands not your yeah helmet. okay that's fine. the guy from the front don't hit him from the side or the back obviously yeah. all right that brings us to the no calls for ohio state and penn state yeah fair enough i didn't I, we'll get into it later let's talk about ohio state first because that's better better fodder i think oh of course you do so nate (laughs) did you see the first half no call and the second half we've we've talked about it you mean the first half call reversal there was no targeting ever called muff oh the one that was reviewed on the field after it was flagged for a fumble okay you were misremembering in the first quarter there was when a man put his helmet yeah, and the first one it was reversed correct right, and the second one's a no about. call i'm sorry my apologies okay. you're correct i'm Come stuck on. on the second one I'm nate stuck. did you see the ohio state uh refereeing yeah i did i think i watched the first half of that game and the second half I really didn't tune in much what did you think of the reversing of that call in the first half i thought it was a good reversal i mean it what was it, less than a minute into the game? You don't want to throw anybody out. And that's a whole other thing is I can't stand that college rule where okay. targeting, it's like, unless it's clear and obvious that a guy is intentionally trying to hurt someone with his helmet, don't throw him out. But, I agree. The rule is garbage. 
I think. I, yeah, I think that was a good reversal. And, I, and to be honest, I've been on record as saying I believe that that was the right call to make. I don't, what I don't know is how you be objective in situations like that whenever any player that's changing levels in the middle of a play, especially a runner in this case, somebody who's not defenseless in running motion and the helmet to like the ribs or the back or anything like that. Now, very different from the James Skowski in last year's playoff with a high state Clemson. Very different because James Skowski was going in full speed. Yeah. And Justin Fields changed his angle, which allowed, you know, the spearing motion. But James Skowski was going to hit him like that, no matter if Justin Fields turned or not, mm -hmm. which is to me, what's different from this. I don't think the intent was there. And that's the subjective part that I think is so difficult in college football is to, is to, is to objectify intent so you, you would have to fall back on those. Is it forcible contact with not just the crown? It's actually anything above the face mask by the rule. And that's where it gets weird because it doesn't have to be lowering the head and leading with it. It can just be anything above the face mask. It's just I, so it's just so weird to think about. <clears throat> I believe that that was targeting that shouldn't have been reversed. I believe okay. the Ohio, player, Ohio State players should have been ejected in the first half. Mm. I, I said it. When it happened, I said, mm -hmm. targeting, eject him. I said it to Joe. Mm -hmm. I think he he lowered his head enough. He was coming in there to use his head to pop that ball. And I think that was the very definition of using your head as the weapon. I, that was my opinion. Yeah. Quick, hot take. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, I just didn't think he launched. That's what it really came down to. I, if we're looking out for both the defensive and the offensive player, that he did it wrong, in my opinion. Mm. The second half, which, oh, shared, which is targeting, which was not, which was not targeting. And this is where it gets ugly. <laughs> Nate, what did you think? Cause I well, said okay. that to you. Set, set this up, Jim, just in case. People I'm going to let the ref set it. I'm going to okay. let the ref set it up. So it's stereotypical where you see a receiver comes across the middle and he's bracing for the hit and Watching at full speed, you couldn't really tell if contact was first initiated on the shoulder or the helmet. They showed it, slowed it down a few times. And like in the group text, Muff said, he took the helmet to the ear hole. I mean, I had to watch it back at least five, ten times to get a full, clear view of it. But that's the one I think they blatantly missed. Ooh. I so told like, Jim contends that there's a shoulder first. And yeah, I, don't I think understand the shoulder how, hit first. I don't see how you see a shoulder hitting when his head is in front of his shoulders. But my brought up a good point, too. And even if you make contact their shoulder first, you still hurt the helmet to helmet, even if it just grazed the shoulder at first. And especially when your guy gets knocked out or lays there like he's knocked out. I mean, you know that was a big hit and probably helmet to helmet. You can at least throw the flag and review it. I mean, nothing's going to happen. I mean, that play was going to get reviewed anyway. So worst comes to worst, you can flag it. It's going to get automatically reviewed. So, I mean, to me, there's no harm, no foul there if you throw a flag late, just like you do with intentional grounding. You get together, you talk about it, you flag it. I think that's a good point. I will concede that the flag probably should have been thrown for the review. I agree. That's a good point. That's why we bring in a referee, folks. That's it. That's and that's Jim doesn't, but Jim doesn't think it's targeting. Still don't think it's targeting. And that's the same thing they tell them too. When in doubt, rule it a fumble. It don't call it an incomplete because if you call it a fumble, you can at least review it. Yeah. When you call it on the field, you don't let the play continue. But that's a fair point. 
but yeah, so and Jim, was, aside from the shoulder thing, why do you think this wasn't targeting? That's what I need. I need. I I a hundred percent think that shoulder hit first. That 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 was me, and I thought I thought his head was up, and I know that you've done the recon and done the rules. I I saw the email where you kept the notes, Muff, you sneaky cheeky monkey. His head, I thought his head was up, and I I thought the shoulder hit first. I didn't. I don't think he intended to lead to hurt anybody. I to me, it was just a giant hit. I just don't know how you could not intend to lead to hurt somebody when. Okay, even if it's just the shoulder, Jim, he's aiming at his shoulder pad up. He's not aiming at his midsection. I, I don't isn't think the aim is a big deal. Of, isn't that the intent of targeting? Is whatever you're. I don't targeting. think he was aiming. I think he was aiming to knock the guy down. He was aiming to knock him out because he hit him in his ear. Oh, ball. get the hell out of here, Muff! You're full of it. He was aiming to knock the guy, knock out, the got guy. It, got it. Got it. He's aiming to knock the guy. Out. He was aiming to knock the guy down. Let's talk about that Penn State call, Muff. I don't know if we shared it with, with Nate. Well, share it with me because guess who didn't watch any of the game yesterday? No, neither did I. <laughs> did you see the, the Penn State no call on the sideline, Nate? Yeah, then they eventually reviewed it after Wisconsin took a timeout. Oh, yeah. so, so they, they reviewed, they reviewed it, it, unlike Ohio State. Neither one of us watched that game. <laughs> Listen, everybody, I just want you to know I'm a Penn State fan. I love football. I watch the highlights. But there's only so many weeks in the year to golf. And this weekend was one of them. Again, we brought Nate in. Nate, tell us what happened since neither one of us watched that game. So, I mean, that game was so, like, watching paint dry the first half. <laughs> zero, but, zero. What a Penn State. What a what a Big Ten game. Right? Exactly. <laughs> watching it. But anyway, so quarterback Mertz for Wisconsin's running down the sideline. And I can't remember the guy's name, but number 13, I think it was a linebacker or something. For Penn State comes in, comes in high, hits him in the head. I think the quarterback actually like turned around and then kept going upfield. And the whole Wisconsin sidelines yelling for a flag, and they don't throw it. And then they show the replay again, and it was clear as day he hit him helmet to helmet. And they don't buzz down, and Wisconsin takes a timeout, thinking, how in the heck are they not reviewing this? <laughs> Finally, they get back on the field, getting ready to run the play, and then they buzz down to review it. What was the call after they reviewed it? They called targeting and ejected. Yeah. I knew somebody got thrown out. I just didn't know the how it all happened. I knew there was there was controversy about it. I just didn't know how it all went down. Well, at least they got that one right. Oh, yeah. yeah. One was odd because usually when you see that, it's a tackle. In this case, it was just a guy that broke the tackle and kept going. Right. Yeah. Well, Nate, is there anything else you want to talk about for this beanbag bop number one? I don't believe so. I think I gotta scrub my bean bags up a little bit. We were in a little bit of mud on Friday night. Keep those bags. Keep those bags clean. Keep your bags so clean. Turn into my job. I will be soaking the bean bags. I'm sure. Get some Epsom salts in there. Just saying. Last year I had to sew the bean bags. This year I'll be washing the bean bags. I heard if you hover over a hot tub, it's good for you too. Great. Take them to your parents. There you go. And that's the bean bag pop. College football, week, week one. one. One, 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 one. Not week zero anymore. Legitimate week one. So much like last year, we're going to start off with the Big Ten. Um, I'll, I'll give you some of my commentary and we'll let Muff chime in. We'll start off with number four. Ohio State beats Minnesota 45 to 31. And if you're the world who watched the first half, you are... Thinking Ohio State's over with, including fans in Columbus. 
if you made it till the end of the game, you know that hey, they covered the spread and calm down. So what what was the sentiment? What was the feeling in Columbus around that time? Because oh, it, it around that time, imagine a, a bit of powder cake just ready to explode. yeah. They, CJ Stroud is a is a goner. They're ready right. to get rid of him. Still, it, it's over. Yeah, and Kerry he's Combs, part of, he's part of a forty five point effort. He's still gone. Yeah, gone. And yeah. Kerry Combs is the next man on the chopping block too. Is that the offense the, coordinator? The secondary coach. Oh, oh well, you you already knew you were a little young there. Yeah. 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 Oh. I mean, can't win them all, people. But uh, we'll move on. Just to just to be clear, I, I want to point this out. I won two bets out of this game. You did good. I had a first half Northwestern plus seven and a half. Minnesota. Sorry, yeah, Minnesota. And in the second half, I picked Ohio State to cover. You did good. So I thought, rightfully so in this case, doesn't happen all the time. Minnesota at home is going to stay in the game for a half. And then Ohio State's going to do what Ohio State does and just turn it on. And I just want to, like, I'm not, I don't want to break down Ohio State all day. Right. We all know I'm a homer, but they were at Minnesota game one. Like, PJ Fleck is a good coach. Like, what did they think the outcome was going to be? Like, this was going to be a tough game. This mm-hmm. isn't Akron. Right. And it's not like Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota could, I mean, I think everyone realizes Minnesota's tough with PJ Fleck at the helm. Yeah. And their number one receiver was out, and their number two is another number one. And the the rest of the league's lucky that that running back tore his Achilles in this game, right? Because oh, yeah. they were contenders before that. All right, moving on. Michigan State beats Northwestern, in which to me is an upset. The shocker of the week in the Big Ten, in my mind. Yeah, I think so too. Thirty-eight twenty-one. We, we all had Northwestern doing pretty well. I had Northwestern up high. I had Michigan yeah. State real low. If you go back yeah. to our graphics. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. It at Northwestern this game was too. Yeah. Uh next up, number 19, Penn State beats number 12, Wisconsin, 16 to 10. I was wrong. Go I'm, state. Go state. Go state. Congrats, Penn State. Uh number Penn eight, State. Oh, wait. At least we don't need to break here. into this. A second here. We just did a whole okay, go ahead. What a whole what? A whole what? No, please go ahead. A uh, targeting we did, situation. We didn't talk about targeting Ohio State too. Go ahead. The real question, and this is still the question. Fire James Franklin. And now that that's a statement from you. That's not a question. That's always uh, a statement from you. Sorry. Is what type of offense are we looking at this year? We didn't is watch the going, game. How can we commentate on this? Uh Jim, let me commentate. And kicking. Apparently that came across the border into Pennsylvania as well because it missed a 23 yard field goal field goal and an extra point. Defense kept Penn State in this game. The offense needs to catch up if they're going to continue to be competitive for the rest of the year. Moving along. You know the best thing you said there? Penn State's 1-0. Got it. No, it came across the border. As if Ohio and Pennsylvania border each other. Are you saying that they don't? I'm saying that there might be a state in between there. That runs all the way up to the the lake? To me, no. There doesn't. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So West Virginia's in between the entire way up to the lake? West Virginia doesn't exist. Oh. <laughs> Just well, ask Maryland. Anyway. Moving along, next game, Maryland beats WU. 34 to 20. Well done, Maryland. Kudos to you. <laughs> Iowa. Eight, number 18, uh, is Iowa. Anybody, is there anybody you want to call out here? Are you just going to let? Nope. 
I did my call outs via text. Okay. <laughs> oh, it got real personal with it. Yes, it did. Number 18, Iowa. Upsets number 17, Indiana. 34 to 6. The quarterback that we all thought Penix would be did not show up that day. So, and this, this is not my take. I was listening to another podcast later last week, mm-hmm. Thursday or Friday. And there was a guest host, and I forget if this was Pat McAfee's show or if it was Pardon My Take. Those are usually the two that I try to get in throughout the week. Huge discussion on how Indiana is going to falter this year, and they way outperformed what they should be last year, and the teams that would typically beat them were not because they had a lot of other issues, whether they were opt-outs, COVID issues. And this this person was very, very much on – if you have an opportunity, bet against Indiana in the big games because they are not going to be able to stack up. Well, I see that. And now we see a, a, an example. Again, this is in Iowa, not an easy place to play, but you get what you get. Uh, we'll make the next ones pretty quick. Uh, Illinois freaking loses to UTSA, 37-30. to 30. Are you freaking kidding me? And I think this is a statement of the Big Ten. Illinois beats Nebraska last week and then loses to nobody. It's a team in Texas. I don't know. This is why, this is why an alliance, and we'll get to the alliance later. This is one example of why an alliance means nothing to the SEC. This is like the the first round of the Avengers attacking Thanos. (laughs) Anyway, Nebraska gets a big win for Nebraska, beating Fordham, fifty-seven, fifty-two to seven. Hey, to be a bunch of smart people. Uh, Penn State's rival Rutgers smoked Temple, sixty-one to fourteen. Good job, Rutgers. It's also Temple. <laughs> Purdue beats Oregon State 30-21. to 21. Mm-hmm. Another statement about the alliance with the Pac-12. Is that the statement? Our worst team beat your worst team. Yeah, Purdue is favored. I'm saying it's not a big deal here. Oh, oh, highlight win for the Big Ten here. The team up north is back, by the, by the way. A.K.A. Michigan. Know, Michigan people. Ask Twitter. I state you know, rival. Michigan. You know why they're back? Why? They beat Western Michigan. Is that Western Michigan or is it William and Mary? It's it's Western Michigan. Okay. So that's what happened to the Big Ten. So you can say Western Michigan, but you can't say Michigan? Mm-mm. <laughs> I don't understand. It's a whole different whole different team. Is it Western team up north? <laughs> that's that's is a that, mouthful. Is that how people say things? That's a mouthful. <laughs> anyway. So that's the Big Ten. Uh, as far as college football goes, there was a, a lot of upsets, if you want to call them upsets. I don't really want to call them upsets because how can you gauge anything off of last year? But Virginia Tech upset UNC. I will say that's an upset. I, I, yeah, I'll give I, you that one. If, I, if there's a true upset of this week, I will call it that. Uh, you want to speak on the Enter Sandman? So I will speak on Enter Sandman. Um, if anybody knows, this is the Virginia Tech thing, just like Wisconsin has jump around at the end of the third quarter. Iowa does the wave to the hospital thing. Enter Sam and Virginia Tech. The Hokies, this is the big thing under Beamer. It came up is you play Enter Sandman as the team comes onto the field, um, especially if they're wearing like their, I think they're all black uniforms. I had all black, yep. the, black, the blackout alternate uniform. They didn't have one for this game, but once I saw that, and this game was on Friday, this is a Friday yes. night game. 
um, to me, that signaled like football is back to me. I agree. Because it, because it was a traditional thing mm-hmm. that you saw that people were excited for. Yeah. Um, and Virginia Tech beat North Carolina. Sam Howell for North Carolina, their quarterback, was supposed to be a Heisman contender and just played himself right out of that in game one. There's no way to recover after yeah. an unranked upset. Especially for a team from that a team from that conference, there's a national champion that says otherwise. When they got beat, got beat by Virginia Tech, I'm just saying. Well, Virginia Tech was what when that happened though? Unranked? Uh, pretty close. Well, it's there's a difference between pretty close and just being oh, unranked. But like week one ranked means diddly squat. I'm gonna say UNC in the ACC can't come back from this. Uh, if they beat Clemson, they can potentially if Clemson's still there. <laughs> And that brings us to the Georgia <laughs> number five. Georgia handled Clemson despite what the scoreboard says. I don't care what you say, Moff. I don't care what the scoreboard says. Ten to three might have been the score. Georgia handled handled that. handled. Did you now, watch that game? I did watch most of that game. What I want to say, all I want Georgia to say, Georgia looked like men out there. Oh, they were. There were men amongst boys in this situation. Okay, then it's handled. Get off my get off my back. You're what? I think you had another thing you wanted to say there. So just let let the words fly, buddy. Um, What I want to say is that I think I have been on record at some point saying that Georgia is going to be. You said they were going to win the Natty. Well, you didn't. No, you have not been on the record. Go jump in a lake, Muff. You have not. There's no record of me saying this anywhere? There's no record of you saying it. No. No. Uh, Well, here you go. There's a record of somebody. Who happens to share the muff name muff name, oh, but it ain't you, uh, brother. Well, Muffneck is an extremely intelligent human being, <laughs> and he and I do have coinciding thoughts at times. Sometimes. So sometimes we do. But uh go, Georgia, go on Georgia, and talk about Georgia. Georgia looked real good. Um, they were flying to the ball. I'm telling you what, Georgia and Alabama, I'm an Ohio State fan, but you Ohio State better grow up because there's some men out there. Uh, next upset, UCLA beats number 16, LSU. I, uh, I, why was LSU ranked? I don't, I want to understand this. At 16, maybe right. 25. Give them 20 to 25, but how is LSU coming off a crap season make their way into the top 20, almost the top 15? This is, is I don't say this often. This is the SEC bias right here. I will uh, say that. I don't, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I don't want to say that. I'm going to say that that particular is LSU SEC bias. Jury's out for that for me on that one. Okay. Is Coach Ed on the hot seat? No. He brought him a national championship. He's got at least two or three more years before they think he's on the hot seat. He's got one. One? He loses two more games. He's out. Okay. Aren't they still paying who's less miles, millions of dollars in his buyout? I don't know if they have enough money to pay for the buyout. Uh, he his buyout might have been void when with his uh, shenanigans. Fair enough. I'm because <laughs> that's really and this is really what I think in many of these hot seat questions is, especially these large Big Ten, SEC, Pac-12, whatever schools, is are they still paying the last head coach? Because if you're still doing that, it's tough to justify another large buyout. I, that's I don't you know, disagree. Yeah. But there's a donor somewhere that'll pay yeah. for it. Listen, Coach O came through to me, go Tigers. Um, whenever he was walking into the stadium and he made a comment on somebody's UCLA because it's that powder blue, uh-huh. and he called it, he called it, he called him a sissy. And I was like, Coach O, I don't know if you're supposed to do that oh, on live only TV. Only at LSU, baby. But good grief, I, he's endeared by the world for things like that. And I just, 
I'm just not sure how that's going to play. So. All right. <laughs> so the last upset, Montana, who was at a plus 22 and a half, beats number 20, Washington, 13 to 7. This is the biggest upset of the week. I apologize. Well, it's number 20. It's Washington. It's a Pac-12 team. You know, our alliance member. Right. But it's a 22 and a half point <laughs> spread. That's all I'm saying. The money line was plus 1,100, Muff. Yeah, Break that down for our listeners. If you were to bet $100, you would have won $1,100. Okay. <laughs> so that's the upsets. Uh, let's get you some quick, well, as quick as I can get it, uh, news. Bama's fantastic. They beat uh, Miami. Coastal Carolina beats the Citadel. Our boys. Yeah. 52 to 14. Uh, rumors are that UF, UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston are top contenders to join the Big 12. And just to kind of follow up on what I've been saying this whole time, the alliance, as the Big 10, Pac-12, and ACC are calling it, um, nothing's written or formal. Uh, the ADs looked each other in the eye and have a handshake deal where they're going to work together on scheduling, playoff expansion, playoffs, seating yada 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 essentially they just don't want to put pen to paper but they're going to work real close together okay well jim i'm going to make a statement to you right now mm-hmm. and we're going to enter into an alliance and yeah. I'm look you straight in your eyes and I'm gonna say i'm not going to say bad things about ohio state or cleveland for the next six months do you believe me so so much belief this is how much I believe exactly. about this alliance. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because the Iowa AD is on record saying, uh, we started to talk about, should we ever add any schools to the Big Big Ten? We certainly haven't said we never will, but in the short run, with all the things that would have had to be included to join the conference, we didn't identify anybody as a conference that we should immediately go after that would fit. So essentially they joined the Alliance. So like, we didn't really like anybody out there that could make us grow. So we said, Oh, let's just join this Alliance thing. And then Kevin, it's, it's like, it's, it's going for your second or third option. That's all this is. Yes. We don't have a plan. So let's just go this way. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, um, for those of you who don't know, like maybe you're new to the show. I'm not even gonna say his last name, but Ke- the, the head of the Big Ten. The Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren. Got it. Kevin, we don't like him on this show, okay? But he comes out and he says, we feel Jim, very... Jim feels very strongly about I, Kevin. I hate Kevin. <laughs> he says, we feel very strongly about college athletics. We believe, in col- we believe in college athletics, but we also believe in the importance of us working together to stabilize all the different issues we are dealing with. Warren said, we have a lot of turbulence in college athletics. Yeah, like paying women. And uh, making sure women get treated fairly. Sorry, I digress. We thought about forming the alliance. It would help stabilize kind of where we are and what we need for to do, and for us to be able to work together. Kevin, what did you just? Essentially, you're saying we made an alliance. That's a lot of words to say. Yeah, we made an alliance because we want to stabilize some things. What are you stabilizing when you didn't even bring the Big 12 to the conference, like press conference, the Alliance press conference? I don't think, I don't know if this is what, was this taken from his interview at the Northwestern game? I I think this was taken shortly after the press conference. Okay. This man did 
a little interview during the Northwestern game whenever Northwestern was getting blown out. Yeah. And everybody realized that Michigan State was the team to beat here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this was like planned, but it looked like filler. And Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, was answering questions from this reporter. And I it looked to me it was like the first time he had ever been in front of a camera or answering a difficult question because he fumbled over his words so much. And it was about some stuff about the Lions and the Big Ten. I don't think he said one coherent statement. So either he's a masterful politician or <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. And no, I'm he gonna, doesn't. I'm going to tend to agree with the latter on this one. Yeah, I agree. I, to me, he's like uh, a mock evil emperor from Star Wars. Like he's not, he's not legitimate. He's the man behind the curtain. Like if you put a camera on him, he's like, I just know where I belong. I belong with the other Sith. Like he's just scum. Anyway, Jeez. okay, it may I be a Kevin. bit, maybe a bit strong statement. I hate Kevin. I'm not going to go that far. Uh, my, my whole point to this is, you can't have an alliance and say you're going to stabilize shit if you don't have the Big Twelve like anywhere near your alliance. Essentially, you're like, listen, we got the survivors out of the boat left, and the person that's in the water that's about to get eaten by the sharks, screw them. We're out to get the sharks. We're going to use the Big Twelve as bait. That's what they're doing. And that is how we're going to end college football week one. Kevin is an idiot. And now it's time for the Fast Five, Fast Five, Frolicking Five. Get pumped. We're going to make this fast, Muff. I promise. I promise. You're going to promise? I hate to get political, but. COVID. (laughs) Starting with the NFL. COVID. All right, so Urban Meyer said he and the general manager, Trent Balick, took look took a look at players' vaccination status into consideration during roster cuts. And this led the NFL Players Association to launch an investigation. Special note, Jaguars are in the top five of most unvaccinated players. Right, which... I- Urban was just the, the first person stupid enough to say it out loud. That's Urban, all this was. Urban Meyer's never been real great at uh, not saying things he shouldn't and uh, avoiding investigations, and he right. just keeps the hits coming. That's, that, the proof's in the pudding. They're, they're the top five most unfaxed players. Yeah. He just was dumb enough to say it out loud. So, yeah. Urban, this is another learning moment for you. Yeah. Continue about your day. Cam Newton gets cut, which could have been because uh, of COVID. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it could have. People say this, but I don't think anybody truly believes it at this point. Well, Muff, here's the situation. Cam Newton was had an issue prior to being cut because of a miscommunication and misunderstanding that led to three missed days of practice and gave the other guy a lot more reps. Wow, 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 wow. Misunderstanding of miscommunication. Cam has never come out and said he's not vaxxed. He said it's a personal thing. I think everyone sees the writing on the wall because of how this situation went down, but he's not. Okay. So anyway, the uh, reporters ask Bill Belichick, hey, uh, did you cut him because he was unvaxxed? And Bill Bill says, I can't even do it. Muff, go ahead. Bill says, I would just point out that I don't know what that number is referring to the amount of uh, Patriots players that are vaxxed, unvaxxed. Beginning quote of Gwen, but the number of players, coaches, and staff members that have been affected by COVID in this training camp who have been vaccinated is a pretty high number. So 
I wouldn't lose sight of that, says Belichick. Okay. It's, it's Bill being Bill. I don't know what else to tell you there. Well, the NFL couldn't let that stand, so right. they sent out their chief medical expert to put a very strongly worded statement that says, hey, the numbers say that's not true. Right. Well, numbers don't lie, or sometimes they do, depending on how they're spun. Anyway, I don't think Cam Newton got cut because of his vaccination status or his COVID status. Cam Newton seems to be in a positive light and maybe two years from now, this could be wrong. Everything I'm saying could be wrong. Cam comes out and says, I was definitely cut because of that. I was just trying to save face to get on another roster by playing Mr. Nice Guy. Could be the case here. I don't know. If I'm wrong a year from now, two years from now, come back, sue me. I don't know. It's my thoughts. Uh, In other COVID NFL news, two teams are fully vaccinated, Tampa Bay and Atlanta. And there are two teams that are under the 50% vaccination, and that's the Colts and the Mrs. Snyders. Tampa Bay, fully vaccinated, huh? Yeah. Does that have anything to do with uh, something that happened to Tom? Well, now that you brought that up, Tom Brady just admitted today, or this weekend, that uh, he contracted the COVID during the boat parade after the Super Bowl. Muff, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't know that he'd actually, I, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. I am jokingly, <laughs> this is a joke before I get just destroyed. <laughs> okay. Did he contract COVID or was that his first ever hangover? That's a good question. I was about to say, Tom was Tom was on the sauce that day and had his knee brace on. And I think there are a lot of contributing factors to his, uh, his health over the next week to right. two weeks to month. That's the first time his break. immune system had something besides avocado. Right. So I don't know. Tom's doing his thing. I mean, if, I'm sure he did contract COVID. COVID is a serious right. thing, but like, come it's on, low, Tom. This is the first time you put anything foreign in your body. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And that's the uh, NFL. I mean, Dak's going to start if Jerry's cool with Jerry, it. I, Jerry said last week he was cool with it, right? Yeah. And Dak has said that he's cool with it now. So everybody's so, cool. So the the Rangers came in and said, yep, your shoulder's good. And Jerry said, you sure? Pretty you much. Sure? I got to go tell people on the radio now. Because nobody else can report this before me. Yeah. Hard knocks. What are you doing? Get out of here. It's the Jerry show. <laughs> and next on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. <laughs> Basketball Association news. Pretty so, big news. All said and done here. Keeping up with the uh, COVID theme, there's proposed new guidelines that may require unvaccinated uh, players to sit far away from teammates during travel, during meals. They'll undergo testing on game days, probably more than once. I think it's testing every day, even practice days too, if I remember right. I think you might be right. Yeah. There's a mandatory seven-day quarantine if they've been deemed close contact with a positive test. Things are getting tight for the unvaccinated players in the NBA. NBA is making a stand, a pretty hard line stand here in what they expect from their players. Yeah. Uh, also in the NBA... Ben Simmons wants out of Philly as a rumored riff with him and Joel Embiid are circulating. Embiid has publicly denied the rift. Uh, if this is if this is what the summer is going to be like, NBA is boring now. NBA it gets boring for a little bit here. The Ben Simmons, well, wait, wait, wait. Do we have one here? The other part. Let me look. Oh, oh yeah. never mind. That's next. That's next. Ben Simmons wants out of Philly himself at this point. I think Philly wants Ben Simmons out. It's going to be best for Ben Simmons just to figure out a way to get out of Philly. Because mm-hmm. if we know anything about Philadelphia, 
if they want you out, those fans are going to hound you and it's going to be an issue. So I think it's for everybody's best interest to get for Ben Simmons to get out. So Muff, you referenced the other part. I'm going to let you handle this because I put it in here and it doesn't make a lick of sense to me, but go ahead. So I'm going to get away from all of the, all of the details lead up to this. DeAndre Jordan is supposed to be headed to the Lakers. He was part of a trade and then there's a buyout. It's a whole big thing. But DeAndre Jordan, who is an older player, is going to join the Lakers and their geriatric roster. Why do they keep finding is this is LeBron James still in Looney Tune land? And does he want players that are 35 and older so that he doesn't feel like the oldest guy on the block? Or does he just need to go back to his barber and get his hairline trimmed up? I don't know what LeBron James needs, but he needs younger pieces to make this work. But the Nets helped facilitate this. Right. Because the Nets are smart enough to say, oh, you want DeAndre Jordan? Oh, we can make this happen. Let's give you another old guy in the middle. Like this okay. is like this is like Dwight Howard. This is he's like DeAndre Jordan is like the Dwight Howard replacement, except for Dwight Howard could kind of play offense from here and there. Dwight DeAndre Jordan is nothing but a dunking and blocking person. That's all he is. Well, the NBA's gotten boring, so we'll, we'll move be, on. Because yeah. the best team's old. Older, I don't know. As long as you said that, the best. Moving on to baseball. Uh, Brian Ruby, baseball player in the San Francisco Giants Class A affiliate system, becomes the first active baseball player to come out as gay. I am shocked that this is the first. Active. That's the... Yeah, first active. I'm shocked that this is... I mean, good for him. Kudos. But, like... Wow, I thought there'd be more than one. Yeah, you would. I mean, I, I think there's an expectation that if you are defining professional baseball as including the the minor league system, which is included in professional baseball, um, I I agree. I would have thought that this would have happened at the With lower so levels. So many players and stuff. Mm-hmm. But wow, good for good for Brian. <laughs> Does this say more about baseball than anything? There's so many more players in baseball than football, and football has been ahead of this. As far as yeah, players coming out. So yes. I just by sheer numbers, I would have expected that baseball would have right been, have been the first of the major sports to have players be more open about this. So I, I, this makes speaks to baseball. I don't know. Baseball's been behind the ball. I mean, for a long time. Got it. It's good. It's good. Um, speaking of things at ballparks, Jim. <laughs> Yeah, concession workers at Oracle Park in San Francisco are going on strike over healthcare coverage and COVID safety concerns. 20 workers have contracted COVID this season. I bring all this up to go, will this become a trend at ballparks? I don't know, Jim. You hate to get political, but... COVID. I I don't want to see concession stands closed. What are you going to do at a ball game? You can't that's... watch baseball, that's for sure. Yeah, that's there, boring. If, if there's... Well, poor to most people. There's but, nobody to pour your beer. What the hell are you going to do? There's no beer, nachos, popcorn, peanuts. I don't know. If there's nothing like that, what are you, what are you going to do at the ballpark? Like, there's no reason to get up. That's why people go to the ballpark, like mingle and mix. And Be like your guy getting a tan in his short shorts. That's the only thing you can do. That's about it. Last thing in baseball, Yankees broadcaster John Sterling, who's who's 83 years old, was rescued from a flooding car in New York 
by Spanish announcer Ricky Ricardo. And no, I'm not making that up. That is his name. Does he love Lucy too? So John's wife called uh, Ricky and said, hey, my my husband's stuck in the flood. Can you go find him? And Ricky was do- was an hour behind doing a post show. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'll go find him. Got in his Jeep, went out there and found him about a mile away from his home. And it took 53 minutes from that point to get him home, get him out of his car and get him home for one mile. That's how bad the flooding is in New York. So yeah. good story out of baseball. Super pumped. Thank God for Ricky Ricardo. Talk about baseball. Didn't talk about Shohei Otani. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Shohei Otani's still great. Stole home. Way to go, Shohei. And next on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. Bram. Tennis. Oh, uh, tennis. The U.S. Open's uh, happening. Naomi Osaka, after losing her third U.S. Open, is not sure she will uh, return when or if she will return to the sport. Uh, she said, I feel like for me recently, like when I win, I don't feel happy. I feel more like a relief. And when I lose, I feel very sad. I don't think that's normal. Where did this statement come from? Is this from a presser? Presser. Okay. So she was participating in a presser. Yep. Yep. I, I don't know what to say about this. Like I feel very, <sighs> very sorry and sad for the situation. I feel sorry and sad for this situation. I hope, and this is this is my sincerest hope, it is that Naomi Osaka takes this time away. It is yes. towards the end of the tennis calendar season, and as far yep. as like the majors and all of that, so it's time to take time. If Naomi Osaka continues to participate in events and continues to have post pressers like this. I think that it weakens her mental health platform mm-hmm. because it's going to become a woe is me situation as opposed uh, to, well, if it continues in this light, I'm saying if it continues and de- not definitely, but so on and so forth, you can't, it might not, you can't, I think continuing to not be successful in the sport and then continuing post pressers and talking in this way and saying, I need to take time off and never taking that time off, especially when you know that financially you're one of the best off female tennis players. It's not like you have to continue to be financially stable. I think that it, like I said, it weakens the platform at which she's on. I don't think that it weakens the reason for the platform. I just don't want to see Naomi Osaka become somebody that's even further put through the ringer in the media. And I think that's what could happen. I, I don't disagree with the principle of your statement. I also think that there might be opposing forces pulling on her. Like we don't know what, who, what's going on behind the scenes, making her play. So oh, I, yeah, I, I just, I'm just my, saying it's my fear, right? I just saying that's how I see this yeah. potentially playing out. If this continues, that's all. Moff, go ahead with the next one. So Sloan Stevens, U uh, S tennis player uh, came out after her most recent loss in the U S open um, saying that pretty much she was being harassed and bullied online through comments, uh, vile curse words, abusing her pretty much of, I, I'll say of female empowerment, um, body empowerment. Um, and one message threatened physical harm and said she should be banned from tennis and jailed. Um, welcome to social media and how it can be the worst of the worst. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This is what this comes down to. So 
30 years ago, if you wanted to do something like this, you had to send somebody a letter, which means you had to find their address and you had to do all sorts of things. Now, the access to not just professional athletes, but anybody of any type of fame or notoriety is so easy that you can see all this. My thought, and we'll get into this later, is if you are somebody that's in a position, not of authority, but a position of uh, being highlighted in the media or anything like that, find out what works best for you as a social media strategy. And if that includes not being entirely active, when I say active, I mean checking out your DMs, checking out all of the mentions, doing all of that. If you know that that's something, and maybe this is part of what needs to be done in professional sports, is helping athletes identify the best ways for them to use social media to allow them not only to use it as a positive platform for themselves and for their brands, but also in a way to not detract from who they are and to put themselves in a bad place mentally or Mm -hmm. emotionally. So all of this, I think, just comes down to professional athletes need a little bit more support when it comes to social media and how to navigate those waters in a successful and healthy way. Couldn't agree more. Lastly, for tennis, American tennis player Riley Blecka was fined 10K for carrying an unapproved bag onto the court Thursday at the U.S. Open. His European bag was made slightly too big, the issue being that the conversion from the metric system to the U.S. standard system during production caused the too big issue. There also was a logo on the bag uh, for a art gallery in Belgium. <laughs> so the ref made him cover up the logo. Uh, Riley joked about the fine on Twitter saying U.S. Open tickets must be really struggling this year. To me, this pink bag, if this is an issue, this is why people, the general fan does not gravitate to tennis. Okay. Was it about the color of the bag or was it about the size of the bag? The size. Okay. So I I just don't understand why I've had to talk about being a pink bag. So. I just forgot to say pink during the beginning of it, and I wanted right. to put it put it in there. Right. And I don't, I, I've, I mean, I don't think either of us know enough about tennis as to why no, there's a like, restriction on bag I'm size. I'm sure it's because you know you can only bring so much on equipment, court, blah, blah, things blah. like that, and yeah. etiquette, and blah blah blah. Come on. So next up, Muff, your time to shine, baby. The end oh. of the golf season and last on this week's frolicking fast. Another F word that I can't think off the top of my head. Five. Golf. Golf is in play. It's a great weekend of golf for me personally, as well as on the golf course itself. But it does signal the end of the FedEx Cup season for the PGA. Um, So as Jim will most rightfully point out at some point within the next week, it ended and the winner was... Nobody that you're going to hear about a lot on social media because this man is not active on social media. The winner of the FedEx Cup Tour Championship and $15 million, Patrick Cantlay, the man who beat Bryson DeChambeau in the playoff at the BMW Championship, wins by one shot over John Rahm. And if you remember, Patrick Cantlay started this week two shots up on the next closest competitor, which was at eight under, and that was Tony Finau, who dropped out of the picture. John Rom started at seven under. Patrick Cantley wins, I believe he was 21 under, and John Rom was 20 under. So John Rom gained some ground, uh, but was not able to, to pull it through. Um, interesting that it's $15 million that they win <clears throat> because that's how much the player impact program plays out to all of the social media peoples that are super active. 
A um, <clears throat> couple things that made headlines leading up to and during the Tour Championship. Uh, prior to the Tour Championship, the PGA Tour came out and said, if anybody says Brooksy when Bryson is around, you can get kicked out. You kicked out an event for saying Brooksy. While Bobby Bryson's Carpenter around. said, bring it. <laughs> is that what Bobby said or is that what Bryson said? Bobby said. So Bobby was Bobby's going to go to the, to the tour championship and say Brooksy and say kick me out see what happens. Yeah, he said if, at the Columbus what what's the one that happens in Columbus? It's the memorial. He Jack, said he best Jackson. believe he's going to say Brooksy at the memorial. Right. I mean, we'll see how this I mean they got some time now to to make this to to siphon this out and see yeah. where it lands but uh well, Patrick Cantlay, we're going to get to Patrick Cantlay here at the end because it's it's worthwhile to say this. Uh Brooks Kepka had Kepka. to with <laughs> Had to withdraw from the tournament uh, after he hurt his wrist, his left wrist, um, after hitting a shot around the roots of a tree, which can happen from somebody who played at the base of some roots of a tree. When me and my friends are playing, one, because we have equipment, we just can't spend all this money all the time if we break clubs. Uh, but if we're anywhere near roots, we usually give ourselves the the friendly courtesy of, hey, just put your ball in a spot where you're not going to hit a root in your swing because we don't want to break our clubs or hurt ourselves. So that's nice. I like that. That's smart. But Brooks doesn't have that option and hurt himself. Um, I don't know what I don't know. And I didn't look into this is if he still gets the payout because everybody in this, the final field, the top 30, I think we're all guaranteed at least 250 grand. And I don't know if a withdraw excludes you from the payment. Uh, I'm sure he's getting paid. Most likely he'll just get last place. So he gets yeah. quarter quarter mil. Good job. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, again, the winner. And we talked last week a little bit about this. Patrick Cantlay came out and made a statement after the BMW championship uh, because there was a lot of discussion about um, the <clears throat> statements made towards Bryson, the Brooksy stuff during the playoff of the BMW championship, um, how it seemed that he's a Bryson is a very polarizing figure. Uh, people love him, hate him. We talked to Cody last week a little bit about Bryson, how mm -hmm. he seems to be a pretty chill guy off the course. Um, Patrick Haley came out and pretty much said that he's not a big social media guy. He doesn't care much for the player impact program, which again is um, engaging PGA tour members in social media and having them be more active to help grow the sport is really what it is. Patrick Haley is a traditionalist, a purist of the sport plays the game as people would expect it to be played. As far as he's very fairway green two putt, let's get out of here. Let's do the job. Bryson is the opposite of that. But Patrick Cantlay brought some attention to the fact that he's not about the player impact program and the, the tour players that are more interested in this should expect some level of potential hate, AKA what Bryson experiences on the course. If you're going to put yourself out there, you got to be ready for the good and the bad. And I think that was the biggest thing about Patrick Cantlay's comments is you kind of ask for it a little bit and PGA has to be willing to accept this to some degree on the course. Yeah, I I like it, but then when, mm -hmm. and I was all about it when we, you and I read this mm -hmm. middle of the week. But then the Osaka thing happens, and you go, "Ooh, we better find out what that line is." Right, and the Sloan is. thing, the Sloan Stevens thing, right. same thing. We, we got to yeah. be careful. You got to find out the line. As I agree, it's just you're setting yourself up for more of this. You just have to be willing to understand how to to make it work the best, not just for you as the tour, but for these players as well. Yeah. Um, I think the most hilarious thing is Patrick Cantley wins the 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 tour championship in the FedEx Cup, 
and gets $15 million. And the total monies for the player impact program is $15 million. So I think Patrick Cantley has the last laugh on this. I agree. And last in the golf world, the Solheim Cup, which is the women's version of the Ryder Cup, was happening this past weekend. And I only watched a little bit of this on Sunday morning. Um, I believe Europe after Sunday and ends on Monday is Europe is still up, uh, I think, two or three points. Um, and they have to uh, forget the scores. Europe has this cup right now, so they just have to retain it. But all I saw for about the 20 minutes I was able to watch this on Sunday morning was a happy Gilmore style atmosphere that the women were putting into play, especially the United States women. It's on it's in the United States. This is where it's being competed. Um, and at the first tee, they were literally happy Gilmore, like trying to get the fans pumped up. Even one of the U.S. players was asking for continued yelling and screaming while she was teeing off on the first hole, which is everything. Gotta love that. Goes against the wind on everything golf related. So uh, it was cool to see that. And I guess there's like a very much a, a raucous atmosphere and they may be a party atmosphere as far nice. as like, they've always got music going on. There's even times whenever I could hear music on other holes on the golf course that I think was coming from the first tee because they're making such a big deal while they're throwing uncovered. So Good. something interesting in the golf world, if you all have a chance or if you had a chance last weekend, um, I hope you got a chance to take in some of the Solheim cup women's golf. Bubba Watson was there, which was a big deal. One of the men's players like with the team supporting them. So cool way to go, Bubba. That's the fast five. That was a good show, Muff. I feel like we did uh, quicker than usual. Potentially. I don't know. We're about to find out. Find out in post-edit. Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, week one, week one of college football down, week two coming up, week one of the NFL. We got a betting show this week. We should have a betting show this week. Uh, Alex, myself, and you, as you're able to, will be participating in the betting. Yeah. What Um, day does that drop? Comes out on Thursdays, typically on Thursdays prior to, you know, betting for NFL, which is usually starts Thursday. It's when the college slate usually starts Thursday as well. So it comes out Thursday morning. If you want to hear us make some bets, talk about how we should be winning money, but we'll most likely be losing money. That's the place to be. I think this year uh, I might put some blood in the game with my uh, with your bookie, with my bookie. Oh. Might well. put some money aside. Your bookie is a bookie for other people too. So your bookie may have to like really be a bookie now and, I take, know, a, start, and take a cut. Take a cut. Run run some game on that bookie. Yeah. And don't listen to that, but it could be happening. <laughs> and hint, wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> so thanks everybody. Keep keep uh, telling telling people about the, the podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the podcast that we haven't talked to or that you think would be a, a cool interview, Uh, Reach out to us. Let us know. Um, Football season is upon us, which means we're excited. Mm -hmm. Every weekend, football, football, football. Aside from this weekend, it was golf, golf, golf. But, you know, stuff happens. Jim, any parting words? Nope. Y'all know what what to do. Tell a friend. Make a friend. Be a friend.
be the 